0: Once again, welcome to another edition of a Modern Times podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzon and Karen Weil. Hi, Karen.
1: Hi,
2: good morning. How are you?
0: I'm as well as I can be, a lot better than some other folks, which we'll talk about some of those things today. Um, How about, uh, how's things in Southern California?
2: Well, things are going okay here, Um, just lots of news happening in the San Diego area and of course, being a big state, but it is. There's lots of news happening everywhere else. I'd say the main political topic, of course, is concern over what happens to the Dreamers. Oh, um,
0: most assuredly. Uh, and un- I guess, unfortunately, for some of those who want to might- who might want to hear about that, we're not going to really be getting to uh, DACA today not, not or today. the Dreamers I think today. We have
2: to wait and see, you know, in the next week supposedly Congress is trying to work out a deal over it, you know, we'll see what happens
0: yeah, and I but think certainly um,
2: the, the, these young people, it, it's got to be just an really anxious time for them And yeah, you and know, I, can't I, help but, uh, but certainly feel for what they're going through
0: yeah, and it's one of the things we've been working on uh, behind the scenes here is um, we're going to be trying to uh, have some conversations with some at least some of those in Phoenix and um, if Karen ends up you know if you find some in Southern California we, we want to do that too um but I know that we have some contacts here we'll Brent, you know probably bring them into the office and do a little uh an hour conversation probably with a group of uh dreamers and see what we can you know put out there for everyone else to hear on 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 the reality of the situation but for today um our rundown is uh the equifax hack um the idea that some folks are are getting really close to assembling a new constitutional convention for the United States. Um, We're going to then jump back to Washington, D.C., talking about uh, the defections of some moderate GOPers who seem like they're just trying to walk away from the party, walk away from Trump. Uh, Next on the Trump pivot, uh, quote, unquote, on what happened with him and Chuck and Nancy, um, the voter fraud panel in New Hampshire chaired by um, SB 1070, Infamy, Chris Kobach, um, uh, Hillary Clinton's book, oh, What Happened, and the political ramifications of hurricanes, um, where that's what's on our docket for today. You're ready to jump right in, Karen?
2: I sure am.
0: I think all of us. I You know, when I saw the Equifax hack, 143 million, give or take, probably a few hundred thousand people, um, exposed um, Social Security uh, numbers home addresses i guess you know uh, mother's maiden name hopefully not for ted cruz the fact that he you know what porn <laughs> sites he was visiting um but obviously some 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 very sensitive information um you know spilled out there and and you we know, we talk about a credit firm that's even more um uh it has even more ramifications than than some of these other retails the tar- uh, retailers the target hack um some others um what did you think when the first time you saw it, uh, you, do you feel any kind of personal, um, uh, th- you know, threat to your own credit?
2: Well, yes and no. I, I, You know, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think it's affected me, uh, but, I, you know, I don't know that for sure. I, I think often the case with these kinds of data breaches, it usually doesn't hit consumers until later, especially if somehow that information ends up with hackers. Once you can, drain out a person's bank account right. or cause other havoc or commit crime on their, you know, fraud on their credit card. Well, mm-hmm. that is a crime.
1: Right.
2: Um, so, you know, this just was revealed last week. Uh, and then, of course, then you heard the story of how some upper-level executives sold their stock right before this happened. So they must have known something. In fact, it, it, you know, Equifax did know, and it didn't occur to them until Thursday Uh, you know, in terms of of some of these basic security questions. I mean, people didn't ask Equifax to vacuum up all this data on them. Uh, And it's certainly not their fault. I mean, you know, yes, when we go online and we buy things, when we do all kinds of transactions now, we're giving up personal information. That is part of that give and take. But at the same time, there's an expectation of these companies when they say they're not going to sell your stuff that they don't. Um, and that they do everything they can. And in fairness, Equifax, perhaps it did. But look, we, can, you know, we had an election hacked. okay? Yeah, you know, how right. hard is it for this kind of uh, you know, breach to happen to a financial company? Not hard at all. Um, but and I, I think people obviously are looking at this with alarm. It doesn't seem like the, the other shoe, in my opinion, have not dropped on this yet. I think Equifax has not handled it well. Apparently though they're going to set up they're going to waive fees for the next 30 days Who on people who want to freeze their credit files. I mean just 30 days It should be a lot longer than that.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I guess I guess a year. That's or...
2: tone gaps and apparently there was some shall we say uh, unethical behavior on the part on the you know, part of it, some of its upper management
0: sure yeah i mean you know it's got to be it's got to be um uh, you know unnerving when um you're the monitor of credit uh and now you're getting hacked and you might be damaging people's credit um you know it's just a you know whether it 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 brings up a greater discussion over how we create credit and how the you know the general economy runs today it was a totally different thing when they had kept these private files now everything is online and it becomes i mean that's been you know kind of the uh the category five uh, storm hitting miami i guess um you know in, in 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 hacking has always been you know these credit firms and how much they have and how important it is if somebody can hack into what can they just do to your credit and what could it do to the economy um, so, you know, a, a a fairly large deal, and do do you think it really, you know, that's the important thing that the you know to take away from it is 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 how vital and 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 how we really kind of give all of this information and and thereby you know power to a certain level to these credit firms.
2: Yeah, they, I mean, it, you know, the argument whether they have too much power. Well, that that train has sailed. So ah,
1: yeah.
2: uh, uh, bad joke. But you know, yeah, of course they have too much power. They have this kind of information, and and, and in some cases, you know, people don't, don't, you know, willingly give it to them. Um, but I, you know, there needs to. We'll see. We'll see what the Justice Department does about this. I suspect nothing. You know, what if it can do anything? or if Equifax actually decides to, you know, get its act together, find out exactly what happened, and make sure that its customers are not harmed by this. Uh, you know, I think just the lesson here, and it's, it, there's nothing new about this, people need to be extraordinarily careful now in this era of, of what they, what kind of information they give to companies, because there's just no guarantee any of them can protect it. I've always believed, From the beginning no matter how fail safe a program you know a data program may be there's always going to be somebody who's a little smarter and can get into it sad but true Mm -hmm. and that's just that's that constant race that we're always going to see in the era of you know online commercialism Yep. so let's you know we can only hope that this isn't a much bigger Breach and that the, whoever took this or however this liver if, if the information was obtained by a third party That they don't do anything further with it and that again that Equifax fixes this as soon as possible I'm I'm not holding my breath, but if, if it does good good for the company They yeah. are better still for the consumer
0: right and 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 for anyone, you know before we move on and for anyone else who's also interested there are um i guess now they're they're uh, uh going to provide 30 days of frozen credit for free so you can freeze your credit so that no one can do anything with it um a year of credit monitoring and some other things uh, but be careful in there i guess when you signed up for their year of credit monitoring you you uh, waived your right to sue them in case anything went wrong with it um but there's a lot of details to it um and it's a little bit different you know a lot of times these hacks come and go people don't pay attention just watch their 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 bills I guess that's the best thing to really do is to make sure that you're watching um your checking accounts your credit card accounts and if anything goes wrong um you really have to reach out um The other thing I think is is, is that's 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 important is um um filing your taxes early I heard um is another big uh, deal because you know you sh- you could have some of these people using your social security number to um, get income and to file taxes and if you don't um file before them then it's a it's a lot it's a lot harder i guess to get all that cleaned up so i guess i guess that's the big takeaways i took from it is you know besides just watching your stuff and maybe filing um uh, and, and 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 maybe uh filing with the firm in order to get the credit monitoring you should definitely file your taxes early um this year those that's those were the two best pieces of advice i found on the Equifax hack. Anything else before we move on to this wonderful constitutional yes. convention?
2: Well, again, it's just this is more troubling news uh, about another big corporation that was sloppy. And, you know, hopefully, again, the consumer that does not suffer. And frankly, the people responsible for it at Equifax are the ones that are held accountable. We'll see. Just it's it's another cautionary tale and. Uh, just everybody, be careful out there <laughs> in right. the cyber world.
0: A constitutional convention, Karen. Um, yep, is being talked about, um, and this right. one that's going on in Arizona. Um, I guess you know there's some 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 state leaders around the nation are gathering in Arizona this week um, to plan what would be the first Article Five convention in American history. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I have to point out because I think it's 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 very important that this is another one of those Alec things, the American Legislative right. Council, um, Legislative Exchange Council. This is what they're they're that the, what Alec is currently pushing. Um, you know, I worry about it just because of the nature of the uh, American political scene right now. Um you had a you had a political scene that was able to elect Trump. What damage could they do if they start messing around with the Constitution? At least to me, that's always the fallback that we had. We had these constitutional rights, we had other things that um uh all the way up through the Supreme Court and through that, that, that people would still vindicate and justify based upon what was done previously um you know and i've when i when we we've talked to folks like the uh, 10th amendment center and some of these other groups that really talk about states rights the reason why they're not able to get that far is because there's judicial um, precedent that's set that says that there're certain ways that you can do things now you get some some nutbags in there and changing the constitution Now, all that gets thrown out the window it's uh you know 200 years of 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 judicial precedent and and, and other things that that have to be um, uh, uh, you know dealt with all over again, um, and 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 that's why it's scary to me. How about you know is that what really kind of grabs you, um, or is there other things that 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 that, that make you hesitant? Right.
2: Uh, you know, you you sum it up aptly. I mean, it's it's a it's a little bit nerve wracking. What exactly do these people want? Uh, it's always interesting to me, and and you know. Uh, And I'm not just trying to pick on conservatives. God knows liberals have a lot of hypocrisy, too. Don't even get me started on that. But I find it interesting that conservatives who supposedly see the Constitution as sacrosanct. And uh, it's not a living document. It's perfect the way it is. And yet, what do some of them want to do? They want to have these conventions to alter it, which automatically makes them look hypocritical, to be sure. But, just again, I would ask them, what are your real goals here? And I'm not sure. I mean, supposedly a balanced budget amendment is, is one of them. Okay. Uh, I get the feeling that's not all that Alec and a lot of these people want. Um, you know, the more wary side of me wonders, do they want to mess with the First Amendment? Are they interested in altering the 14th? What what are they doing? If, mm-hmm. You know, they're certainly not going to mess with the Second Amendment because that's, you know, that's perfect the way it is. And I say this as somebody at the, who is a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Um, but I, again, I just, this is a, just, it's extremely unsettling because I, you just get the feeling they're not going to stop there. Uh, and given that the federal deficit, I believe unless I'm wrong, has gone down over the years, uh, certainly Congress I and mean, the federal government is not spending anywhere what it used to. You know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, it just seems like their call for this rings hollow.
0: Yeah, and, you know.
2: I, 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 you know I, I'm all for a balanced budget and pay as you go, but it just, it, you have to wonder why they're doing this now. It just, the timing seems extremely odd to me. Yeah,
0: and, and. And until, and,
2: yeah, go
0: ahead. No, no, I do think it's important to point out, like you just um, mentioned, that the folks that are really trying to get this convention put together are saying that it's about a balanced budget amendment, um, and that they can, you know, they'll get it through that way. Um, but you know, like, um, you know, some of the legal experts have said, um, from, you know, reporting done on AZ central Arizona Republic. Um, they talked to a U of a professor and saying, well, it becomes a Pandora's box. Once they get in there, what they're calling for is not a individual, uh, amendment. Um, which has a different set of protocols. If you just want a specific amendment, that's, I believe, you know, and uh, and obviously I I consider myself a historian, but I'm not an expert on this, but I believe that if they want an individual amendment, that goes through Congress and then gets ratified by the states. That What the states can do is call a constitutional convention, which is what this group is trying to do. They're saying it's a balanced budget. Um but then it opens up the door for them to change whatever they want. And and like you said, it could be the first amendment, it could be the fourteenth, it could be the twenty second. I mean who knows? Um and once you get in there, there it just takes you then the ability to get it passed. And you know, it's it, it is dangerous in this in, in, in these hotly contested political times, I think.
2: Well, right. I mean you think about the last time there was any kind of I believe that it was in the early 80s there was a movement to pass the Equal Rights Amendment, uh-huh. and that, of course, failed, ultimately. I mean, that's the last time that, you know, I'm, uh, to my knowledge, if there's been any kind of serious attempt uh, of that nature. And I just – I can't see – even if they, if they somehow succeeded in Arizona – um, what works there is not going to work, for example, in California. may not even work in Nevada or, or New York or even, you know, South North Carolina or, or Florida or North Dakota. I, it's, it's just that's, that's why this kind of stuff is extraordinarily difficult to achieve. And if you don't have honest brokers involved and ALEC, I'm, I'm sorry, they're just not exactly the most committed to democracy group that I can think of to be honest
1: right
2: um and when, you, when you don't have honest brokers that that just makes it fraught with all kinds of risk so I'm I, you know again I I just it seems to me that this is a fringe group effort but you know again we you know what seems impossible as we know anymore isn't
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, and, so you know, the scary part... There's no
2: doubt they could, you know, they might get there pretty far with
0: this. Yeah, you know, and I think it's scary that you have, um, you know, there's a quote here from from um, Arizona Rep. Kelly Townsend from Mesa, um, Republican. She's chairwoman of the Arizona delegation and one of the events organizers. And she says, I don't think people realize the states have the power and authority to use this. And then she says, "The states are the closest to the people, and we know what we're doing." And the two points I want to point out before we move on, because we got to get on to our next topic, but one, a balanced budget amendment is is probably bad enough on its own. Arizona has a balanced budget amendment, and when and when we have crisis here, you can't you can't loan against you you can't borrow against it. And we know that modern economic principles say government borrows and takes on debt when private business decides to shut down in recessions. And it's caused so many problems here for us in this state when they did tax cuts right before the recession of 2009, didn't want to rescind the tax cuts, so they ended up just cutting schools. And our schools suffered for five to six years. They still haven't gotten all of the money back that they've been getting from our university level on down to our elementary schools. And, you know, to a certain level, government has to has to borrow. And it's not the same, you know, and I know the same old political argument is, well, I have a checkbook and, you know, well, I have to balance my checkbook, but government's not the same. And if you want a stable system, no, you have to have, you know, I mean, it's Keynesian economics, right, is that government borrows when, when, when the recession hits. And if you don't have that, you can be simple, you can have your simple thought, you can talk about things, you can, you know, be like Kelly Townsend and say, we know what we're doing, but you don't. And um, I, you know, that's the thing that scares me the most about it, is that you have, um, you know, people without any good background and anything but ideology, not any kind of uh, scientific method to why you're even want to do things. So they want to get it for the balanced budget amendment, which is, Maybe um, a poison pill for our country, whether we know it or not. And I don't know if 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 you're fine, let's move on to the next one because now I'm just yeah getting myself depressed. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I you know let's hope this doesn't get very far because I just it, it's just again given the players involved in this, yeah, it's just not a good idea.
0: No. Um, the next one is that it looks like there, there have been a fair number of moderate and non-moderate um, Republican congressmen, senators who have decided to step down. Um, you know, we have on the list, the recent, um, I guess, is Dent, Reichert, and Ross Leighton. Um,
2: Ileana Ross Leighton of Florida, a longtime Cuban-American Republican who is rather critical of Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, um, besides the fact that you had uh, Jason Chaffetz, uh, you know, announced his retirement earlier, um, you know, a lot of incumbent Republicans just don't seem to want to be back. Um, is this going to continue, and what does it mean for um, you know, the 2018 I, I midterms? If,
1: if
2: Donald Trump's approval rating does not rise enough, and and so far it doesn't seem like it's doing that, uh... and you know you're just seeing general dissatisfaction with congress especially the GOP which has failed to get any meaningful legislation done you know we'll see what happens this month uh... and i i just think some of these republicans are looking at their party and realizing that's just this is not a, it's just no longer the party they were that you know that inspired them years ago right. uh... it also may be and i've not looked at polls for any of these people It may i mean Plus, uh, Littman had announced her, you know, her retirement some time ago. But it could be Dent, Reichert and uh, Dave Trott in Michigan are looking at polls, and it may not be in their favor. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I I I think the chances of the Democrats taking the House are fairly good, depending on the kind of campaign they're running. The Senate, I think, is almost impossible unless voter turnout was through the roof in every state. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no question that the GOP, there's a serious risk that they're going to lose the House. So, it oh, may be some of these Republicans, again, they see the writing on the wall, and they're just getting out while they can. Um, and it, it does – it's also saying that Leonard Lance of New Jersey, who's also not been a very strong advocate of Trump – I think he was interviewed on MSNBC recently. It kind of made the rounds in a viral video the way he was, you know, trying just desperately not to have to answer anything on Trump and not succeeding very well. He might be leaving along with uh, Michigan Republican Fred Upton, although he he may be going to run for the U.S. Senate against Debbie Fabenau, uh who's been in since 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, again, I I think – the party made a deal with the devil by getting in bed with Trump in the first place. Right. And the idea that somehow he was going to be a useful idiot to them, which he's an idiot, <laughs> but he's not been the cooperative useful. one. That's got to be, again, they weren't playing on this. They just thought this was a guy who'd roll over and sign every bill they wanted. Right. And, it's you know, again, as we all know, political dynamics they have a funny way of changing real fast, yep. no matter who's in office. Yeah uh democrats certainly they've been on the wrong end of that too and have gotten their butts kicked but good yeah uh, uh so i i just i think for some of these guys they're they're looking to long-term prospects they they probably you, you can't I, I cannot believe that any of these men particularly want like donald trump or support him uh that may be also the reason why they're bailing they're just they may be getting tired of having to defend him
0: um, yeah, or now's the time uh, to take the golden it's, it's parachute. It's
2: interesting now that all these are being these announcements are being made.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it's there just seeing that it's time to take the golden parachute because you know that, right. you know, once you're a former congressman, um, you know, your job prospects uh, increase. You know, I mean, uh, uh, so they make a lot more money in the private sector sitting on boards, doing other things for not much. Um, and, you know, they have the – a lot of them end up – Doing some sort of lobbying on one level or another, and maybe they're deciding now's the time to do that. Um, you know, because because like you said, you just don't want to fight it anymore. You don't want to deal with it, um, and um, you don't have to maybe um, be forced to be put into position that you're voting to um, impeach your own party's president. Um,
2: well, that's right. If that does come to it, uh, you know, rest assured, you're probably going to see other Republicans trying to get the hell out of there before it's too late. Because, of course, the problem with all these guys is they, you know, they have a base of voters in, in their own party who are fiercely loyal to Trump. And if they dare to defy him too much, well, they're going to get punished there. I mean, we saw that writ large for Dean Heller from my state, home state of Nevada, who voted to, you know, who lied, went back on his word, voted for the repeal plan back in July, and his approval rating now is about 18%. So, because again, he's more scared of his own base of voters than he he is the general. And frankly, he's in way more trouble with them than right. anyone else. But it's just interesting in this story I saw today, I believe it's an AP one. Again, it, these guys wanting to leave, what it shows is that, you know, far from producing unity within the Republican Party, this the Trump era appears to be exacerbating existing GOP divisions and creating new ones, because you have the pragmatic... Republicans who, yes, they have their conservative beliefs, but they said, look, I want to get something done that's meaningful here. Right. And then you have the ideologues who, it is simply party over principle, party over country, who will, you know, and the ones who've been on their knee pads for Trump the most. So you're, you're just starting to see that fissure worsen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's going to be the case. I won't be surprised if you see more moderate Republicans jumping ship. In the near
1: future.
0: Yeah, and, um, and you know, and it's probably gonna be in the next, you know, three months too, as we know. Right. You know, I mean, these are the people that are that are that are giving the most uh leeway to the Republican Party because they're telling them at least in September that, you know, next November I'm not running. And so you know that it's between September and January where you really have to get your congressional race back back up and running. Um so they're right. deciding they're deciding very early in 2017 i mean real early so they are given um um the gop a chance to find a and you know adequate replacements which is you know the other thing that has to be thought of and like you said things can change really quick you know they they're it's it's not like you know these people are in there and they're deciding in february um that they're not going to do it and it's it's kind of a scramble they're giving them enough time to find adequate candidates to replace these these folks so again we'll have to see um Let's jump to the next one, and it kind of relates back, I think. Um, the Trump pivot um, uh, that he did where <laughs> um, Chuck and Nancy um, and uh, and Donnie um, went skipping across the White House lawn, I guess, and made a deal. Um, it seemed less <laughs> political calculation and more political punishment. Um, it seemed like... Um, uh, you know, Trump was finally saying, I don't give a crap about McConnell and Ryan either. Uh, basically, um, you know, when Ryan released a press release earlier in the day saying no way on three months, and then Trump goes in there and makes a deal with Nancy and Chuck and, uh, and makes it a three month deal, really made him look like he had an egg on his face. Um. You know, what was it to you? I mean, some people are saying it's a pivot. Some people are saying it's an appeal to Democratic voters, which I think Trump has no hope for. He might as well, you know, um, become Caitlyn Jenner. um, And it's not going to matter, you know, to 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 certain people. Um, You know, what was it to you? What do you see it as? Was it political punishment or political pivot?
2: It was Donald Trump flipping the bird to Mitch McConnell <laughs> and Paul Lyon, basically.
0: Yeah, I'm with is. you on that one. Uh, and
2: I, I doubt Donald Trump really even understood what he agreed to. And you know, it's annoying these stories that have come out in the supposed liberal media about, from the New York Times, the Washington Post, and and Axios, and that somehow this is a different Donald Trump. There is no different Donald Trump. Right. OK, he's simply whoever is the last person he talked to is, is how he makes his decisions. He simply does not make his decisions like a rational, informed adult. And again, this was out of spite. It's, his whole presidency is nothing but a spiteful re- rejoinder to Barack Obama. It's to reverse everything that Obama did because he's jealous I and mean, because Obama made him look like the buffoon he is at the Correspondents' Dinner back in 2011. Right. OK, I mean, this is what we're dealing with here. Uh, we're not dealing with anybody who's ever going to act like a decent, fully informed adult. And the funny thing is, too, both Pelosi and Schumer cleaned his clock. You know, he didn't get anything from them. I mean, this is, you know, for some of Trump's bigger supporters, they better honestly look at, at, you know, look in the mirror and ask themselves, what is this guy really doing that I like? He's working with two of the people I hate the absolute most. Um, so it, it's, you know, and, and technically, I suppose to be fair to, Ryan and McConnell, if I understand this correctly, they had a plan that will raise the debt ceiling all the way into 2018. I mean, the Democrats' maneuver was, in a way, very political. It was to sort of keep Republicans on their toes. Right. Because if they decide not to do it, they're going to you know, they're going to have to answer to voters for that. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, the Democrats, for all their clumsiness, occasionally do know how to play politics. Political hardball, uh, although, like, sure. a short-term thing like this. It's yeah i don't think that's anything really to write home about one way or the other um but you know pelosi and Schumer made trump just look like an idiot
1: yeah
2: and i don't even think he realizes that again this was simply to 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 make mcconnell and ryan look foolish and to make them angry which i'm not sure that's the best thing for him to be doing yeah um if, it's if and again, this is all theoretical. If say Mueller comes out with extraordinarily damning evidence, to the point of where even Alex Jones has to admit, yes, Trump colluded with
1: Russia.
2: <laughs> now I know it'll be a very cold day in hell before that happens. But
1: what are you talking about, Karen? We're never like going to accept had, that. Right? Never, Karen. Never. Never.
2: Get <laughs> <It laughs> with sorry. your shirt off. Yeah, that's right. I think nobody can unsee. That's pretty bad. <laughs> But I'm just saying, theoretically, it's really not a good idea to piss off the right. two gatekeepers to that. Sure. Which both Ryan and Connell are. And I think also, conversely, maybe in Trump's Machiavellian slash feeble mind, he thinks if he can get some Democrats on his side, that might save him. It's not going to save him either way. So,
1: yeah. And, you know, you know yeah, I it's mean, just,
2: it, it's just it because he gave a speech yesterday at the 9 11 memorial. Well, frankly, there was nothing memorable or particularly inspiring. And frankly, he just sounded like he was on sedatives. Um, It was just not a particularly impressive moment. It's it's kind of just as a, again, I don't, there wasn't even a lot of reaction to it, which tells you how lackluster it was. Well, I
0: think Trump is somewhat boring. He's, he's somewhat bored already because when you're, when 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 you're the most,
2: it's it's about this horrible day in our history that he couldn't give a, a hoot about anyway.
0: Yeah, Given
1: you're...
2: all the lies he told, not only about seeing Muslims cheering when there were none, and just horrendously <laughs> crass remarks he made in, in, in the aftermath. Uh, this is—he you know, guy doesn't give a damn about that. He doesn't care about it. That's that's pretty apparent. Um, and oh. the only other thing I want to say quickly, it's just, you know, maybe, maybe Kelly might be telling him, John Kelly, look, you're hanging by a thread here. You need to pull it up right effing now, or you're done.
1: Uh, his it pants could be or... Trump
2: might be listening to him, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction here, and I might be wrong, and I'll admit it. The next big allegation coming from the investigation, watch him go berserk, because that's what he's done every time when he's had to try to divert attention from it. So this new, there is no new Trump. And the, the other thing I wanted to say quickly, I'm sorry, uh, G. Care of the New Republic had a great column on this chiding peter baker of the new york times and and like alan Maxios and some of these other mainstream journalists about falling for this shtick um it's a quick paragraph even as times baker admits trump's record of governance is consistent with republican orthodoxy indeed shows a commitment to the party's far right wing quote mr trump had the potential to cross lines but once inaugurated he chose a hard right path of banning visitors from certain Muslim-majority countries pulling out of a climate change accord and seeking to overturn Mr. Obama's health care program, Baker wrote, in a sense that undermines the thrust of the article. And here writes, but Baker and other journalists are loath to draw any conclusions from Trump's record thus far in the White House. To see Trump as he really is would be to admit that the United States will be in crisis as long as Trump is its president. Rather than confront this reality, centrist journalists prefer to spin a massive web of denial for naive readers. That column, that's the column of the year right there. And I don't always agree with Jit here of uh, the New Republic. But I think he sums it up perfectly. We have a really bad person at the helm of our government. I'm sorry, folks, but we do. And I get it that people can only focus on that so long every day we all have lives to live. And you know you can draw whatever conclusions you want from what the mainstream media is doing, but uh, you know this is just this you know this bizarre gap that we see going on between what the media is covering and I think what most people think and just what Trump himself is doing.
0: Right. Yeah. It's 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 you know to and then to even take it to another one of the reasons why this is a not the normal presidency or not the normal president is the voter fraud panel and what he said about our election which um yeah. and then he has you know again the sb 1070 um infamous uh cretin uh chris kobach um who is now even taking it even further um right well how do you feel about this panel i mean i think i know but yeah. why don't you explain it to our listeners
2: well, as as most people know, of course, let's go back to twenty sixteen, go back to Hillary Clinton's election loss. She may have lost the electoral college, but she won by more than three million votes, which is one of the biggest margins in history. Right. Now of course Trump has continued to, although he's kind of toned down, again it may be Kelly telling him Kelly telling him just to shut the hell up right now. But that supposedly millions of illegals voted. So then he decided to get Chris back, who has a very notorious reputation, as I'm sure you in Arizona know, from his work with lawmakers there, right. uh, about the 2010 uh, Law C or Papers Bill, uh, to to uh, have a panel looking at voter fraud. Uh, it's being it's happening right now in New Hampshire, and of course, Trump claims he actually won that state. He didn't, based on all other accounts. Now, there was a very close U.S. Senate race where Kelly I got lost, not by a whole lot, to be fair. Uh, and Jean Shaheen prevailed, and, of course, Trump has insisted that Ayad actually won that. Interestingly enough, Kelly Ayat has not really had much to say on this. Like, you know, she, I think she's acknowledged that she lost, and she just wants to move on with her life. Um, so there's, you know, and he's got a panel that is all white, all male, uh, has people like hans Van from the Heritage Foundation, John Lott, who's a gun rights advocate and who has made some pretty – serious allegations and and notions about gun ownership in this country. In fact, it makes me wonder, why exactly is he on a panel about voter fraud? His specialty is guns. If you want, you know, fine. But I don't really care what this man has to say on election integrity, to be completely honest. Now, there's one Democrat who's on it. I believe his last name is Gardner, William Gardner. He's the secretary of state. For New Hampshire, he's taken some flack for being on it, but he said, look, They've asked me, I want to be part of this. I'm not a lackey for Trump. I'm, I'm here to try to see maybe, you know, is there any validity to what they're saying? Right, and, and also you know, to be able
0: to have, have insider. Or...
2: Right, but it, it just seems like a very stacked panel. Kobach sure. is another bad actor in this. It's just, it's I'm sorry, there's no reason to take anything they're doing seriously. This is yet just another, I, I can't help but feel, John, that he's just doing this because Trump is, is, is egging him on to do it. To somehow play into his fantasy that he actually won the
0: popular vote when the man did not. Right, and, and, and
2: sorry, and, try, sorry, Trump voters, he didn't. I don't know what to tell you.
0: It also seems <laughs> like um, you know the same old three-card money with um, uh, what was really important about maybe could have been hacked or other things happening, and then you're basically saying that there's certain people that are doing it. And as we know, if um, the Republican Party really thought. Um, that the Democratic Party was doing more than they were to get um people from out of state, No, nothing would stop any of them from, from just fighting that political battle. And it's not like it's just been going on for 20 years and they have both just been turning a blind eye. Um, there's, you know, Republican, Democrat, uh, secretaries of state from across the country. Every single one of them, not one of them says... I think my votes are fraudulent, and here's why. Please help me, federal government. No one has done that. Um, not right. a single secretary of state has said that their that their 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 system isn't working. Now it can go to different levels. Of course, they're the ones who oversee voting panels, and people aren't aren't usually want, especially people who are elected, don't usually have the motivation to say, "Look, I made a mistake." Um, but you also know that they are taking this seriously. They know that that's. That's part of their oath to make sure that they keep the voting systems as independent and as uh, forthright as they're supposed to be. Um, And again, there's no real call from these people to say that there's something wrong. Um, And again, back to the three card money, it's that there's something else going on with our elections. People were manipulated psychologically, but we also know that there were probes made in Arizona, Kansas, I think, and Missouri maybe is another state. There was a you know, a handful of states for sure that it was made public that they there there was forays made into to get into hack into their systems. And 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 that's more important. And with Trump putting a voter panel and his administration putting their support behind this voter panel because illegals or people that are from out of state are voting more than once um, and saying that that has more of, you know, to do with the election than really are, are true. Uh, we know that there was influence and whatever else happened by foreign actors. And so they don't even want to pay attention to that. They just want Russia to go away. But then instead they're accusing Americans of trying to divert our own American election process, which, you know, to me just makes no sense. Um, and especially amongst these people that support, or part of the base, why they would trust Russia more than they trust Americans. It just shows, I think, um, the lack of real information behind anything. And besides just following our dear leader and whatever they say is what happens, um, it's, it's another example, another symptom of, of our uninformed electorate, um, and you know, again, just like the constitutional convention can create serious issues, so can this.
2: That's right, and again, I, I don't count on anything meaningful coming from this panel. Uh, you know, I, I, and I, you know, there's, there's just, we've seen over the years Republicans have tried to suppress the vote in certain states where they know their candidates aren't going to fare as well and never mind gerrymandering and not to say that some states that are heavily democratic aren't gerrymandered which is why i say you know there's actually a movement in in congress i don't know how far it's going to get at all to maybe look at gerrymandering and you know overwhelmingly that if, if one thing could could really be done in this country where that could be stopped I, you know i think most of us would welcome that and oh, yeah. and you know let the chips fall where they may for all candidates, but as long as these these districts really are mapped as they should be.
0: Yeah, and you know it is such so, a hard task to do. I mean, that's the one thing you can say about right. Arizona is that you know voters, thank goodness, passed a Arizona Independent Redistricting Commission, um, yes, which did. which was able to finally get um, a a non. Um, Republican biased group in there, and some people said that it was you know tilted towards Democrats, but you really had a chairman that was independent and she wanted it to be balanced, she didn't care. It ended up so that you know they the Republicans who had ran it the first time it went through because it goes on a 10 year rotation involved with the census. Once the census comes out, um, they usually do a lot of their work in the first two to three years doing this, and then the last few years they do nothing. Um, unless they're fighting um uh, legal battles which is what they're doing in Arizona again but long story short is um you finally had a balanced um uh, uh congressional delegation here there's a slight republican um uh, majority here and so what ended up happening you you had it's 5 to 4 um the republicans always had it as 6 to 9 before when they controlled it um, and so, you know, they at least they made it balanced and there's still that ability that it can go five to four in either way. Um, and, and and so and it usually won't get any worse than that um, just by voting on party lines, which, as we know, that's typically what happens in most states in most elections. I think the 2018 midterms is one of those that it's going to be a little bit different, but it'll probably re- return to the same feeling in 2020. Um, again, people will just go back to their 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 traditional voting rules, unless the Republican Party cleaves in half by then. Um,
1: Right.
0: But going back to what you can do everywhere else, we talked about ALEC a little bit. They've been one of the biggest proponents of really forcing even more extreme gerrymandering than than it had been seen since the 1920s um, and 1960s when they were trying to keep the civil rights movement out in the South um we know that they gerrymandered extensively there to keep any anybody out of uh any sort of political power um but now they just do it for republican and democrat and um in some states it's it's really bad um where they even have uh, more democratic voters in these states but they continually lose for state houses and congressional seats because they're gerrymandered to lose districts and um you know it's something i that i think is um you know a, a a vital thing and and that we really get to the bottom of it because it will change i think the dynamic i mean there's lots of things that can change our political that we need to do to really pay attention to our political system why we ended up being where we are and why nothing's done i think gerrymandering is part of that um why we have a dead end congress um, you know, that's one part, uh, uh, you know, and I'm throwing my two parts, my my, my two cents in now. The other, um, you know, part is that we've been sticking to this two-party system, which I don't think works. And, and maybe having to, to reassess how we do our our, our congressional rules. Um, so, you know, they end up changing things a little bit. Um, but we have to make some changes. A constitutional convention, I don't think, is the way to do it. And I, I, I definitely don't think voter fraud panels is a way to do it either.
2: Agreed. Yeah, this this panel again, I just I don't think there's anything legitimate about it. Uh especially if Chris Kobach has anything to do with it.
0: And by the way, um you're writing for Breitbart while you're running this voter fraud panel. <laughs> is uh it's kind a little bit like being a con- uh, a you know, a legislature who um um uh, changes the districts that that people are gonna vote them into the elections for. Um it's pretty pointless. And you can't have, uh, you know, Kobach being such a Bannon de- devotee, um, and, and, you know, running some of these things. Um, you know, I think that's a different discussion for a totally different time. It seems like Trump has his, 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 uh, public political system with Kelly, and then he's running his own plumbers, uh, group. Well, with Kobach and Bannon and all the other people that are gone from the administration officially, and they're running the, uh, the black market administration uh, through Breitbart. Um, but again, a different topic for a different day. Let's move on to uh, Hillary Clinton and what happened. Um, although we, we know what happened. She lost um, um, for a variety of different reasons. Obviously we haven't gotten to the bottom of it, but she's been coming out talking, um, you know, you know, out there. Um, what are your biggest takeaways from what Hillary's uh, made public so far? Well, and I
2: let me, Say, first of all, I have not read the book yet. I have read some excerpts from it and some reviews. Interestingly enough, the very progressive press, the the kind that didn't like her very much to begin with, uh, was supporting Bernie Sanders. They've given it pretty good reviews. It seems if, if what you've read is true in the summary she takes full responsibility for strategic mistakes or campaign made like not going to some of the midwest states very much um... and i i think also and again just given the nature of who she was up against this horrendous individual who shouldn't even run for dog catcher much less <laughs> the presidency but i think they got overconfident um... but you know I I will say as a woman, I I find it interesting that she somehow isn't allowed to to tell her side of the story. Uh, And I don't recall, for the record, did John McCain write a book about the 2008 election and how badly he lost that?
0: You know, I can't remember off the top of my head either, but I can look these up if you No,
2: and John McCain has yet to acknowledge what a mistake he made, having Sarah Payne. And, you know, I understand John McCain's dealing with a serious health issue now. But, you know, he's, he has never apologized for Sarah Palin. I don't recall Mitt Romney uh, being forced somehow to, to to flog himself forever for his blowing an election, which at one time seemed like he was going to win. Um, these were hardly perfect candidates either. And, you know, Hillary Clinton has a right to tell her side of the story. You know, read her book or don't. But for whatever it's worth, and I, I've seen polls where now her approval rating is lower than Donald Trump's, which it's, it's not surprising in some respects because I think people are just still so angry about this election, and she's the, the obvious target to blame for that in a sense. Um, but I, you know, it's just interesting to me the kind of reaction, especially the mainstream media, that. You know, like the New York Times, like Chris Colliza of the Washington Post, who I, I just think is a just a, a mediocrity of the highest order and has no business being on CNN. But that's unfortunately what CNN is now. You know, not accepting yeah, a lot of any people responsibility don't deserve it at either. all for how they covered her campaign. Uh, and you know, she she goes through that in detail. And I for hand what, yeah, what I was going to say for whatever it's worth. Her, I think her book is now number one on Amazon and supposedly all her oh, sure. speaking events are sold out. So for somebody who's so hated, she sure seems to get a crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think, again, there's still so much shock from this election. We, and, and, there, were, of course, there were other elements as to why Trump, quote, unquote, won. Uh, foreign interference, certainly. But, yeah, the Clinton campaign made its mistakes. I, I look forward to reading the book. But I, I'm just—I will—I will say this: there just there's a the, there's a lot of sexism here in how certain people are reacting to her book. I don't think they'd be reacting the same way if Mitt Romney or John McCain had had uh, written a book explaining their their side of the story as to why they blew an election.
0: Yeah, and yeah, you know, but we also do know that there's a difference um, with. Um, you know, and and I understand what you're saying, uh, and I think that there was a lot of sexism sexism in the electorate, which I think played itself out oh, too. Absolutely. Which I think is a lot of, um, you know, what what wasn't really, you know, you know, covered in her book. I don't think necessarily either, for the, at least the experts uh, excerpts um, that I've read too. Again, I haven't read um, the whole thing, but what really you know kind of stuck out to me. I was very pleased that she. What she did come out and talk about was that she didn't really go to those areas. A lot of the things where I've had, we've had these same debates, um, you know, you know, privately with, with, with other journalists or other, um, you know, folks that we know Um, and some big Hillary backers wouldn't like to hear the criticism that I gave um, specifically of her message that it was, I'm with her. It was all about her. Um, It was all about that. She was a woman and she was going to run for president which I thought was just the wrong message. It, it it's it couldn't have been about the glass ceiling. It has to be an incidental thing. And I think All they right, kind right. of made it about some of these things that made it difficult. And, you know, um, really, I felt, you know, that when she was talking about how, what Trump's message was, um, how he was hearkening back to a time which obviously won't come back again, Um, And they didn't do enough to answer that or to talk about that. And they were so focused on him being a sexist pig, which he is. But we know that some of the people wouldn't leave him for that, especially for a woman, because they were probably sexist pigs on themselves. And you had to give them a reason on why she was an American and how she was going to make America stronger, um, both economically and militarily. Um, you know, and I think that that's, you know, I mean, he had make America great again, and she had I'm with her. And those two don't work together. And you're if you're really trying to go to that base, which was growing, the I am with her is not going to help you. And it's very simple. But we're talking about the simple voters here. We're talking about the folks that might not read the Washington Post or the New York Times or do their own work or really think about the economic system either. These are the same sort of people that look at back to that balanced budget amendment again and say, well, I have to balance my own checkbook. Those are the kinds of people that threw this election. And her her campaign wasn't nuanced enough. And I really think her admitting those things and especially publicly, I think you know that's one of the reasons why I think it was so important for her to write the book. Is that a lot of people were ignoring her, or she wants to go away or do other things? And now that it's out there, people have to pay attention to it. It will it will hit the political um, uh, 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 discussion waves, especially um, amongst those folks that just might not be looking at it or to even want to you know deal with it. And I and and the other different part is like we had talked about is that since there was um, the Russian hack and and um, all the other ways that we know that a foreign government's probably played a role is that even with that, she should have been able to beat Donald Trump. And the only reason he wasn't is because she didn't really have a very good campaign. Again, like you said, going to the right states at the right times um, hurt her. But she also did do some of that. I really think it was the message. And unfortunately, that, you know, that backlash for her being a woman was literally there. Um, and, you know, it just shows us how far we still got to go.
2: Well, and you're, you're right on all of that, John. However, I uh, remember, she had a fairly good lead ahead of Trump yeah. until James Comey came out with that final announcement. And I personally believe, I think Nate Silver has said it swayed about 2 or maybe 3%. Right. But I, and, I knew when that happened. I thought she's going to lose about five percent of the vote, and that's not good. Yeah. So there's no doubt. That, look, a lot of things affected this election, and
1: well, you know, and, and you also, and, and I mean, Clinton
2: is responsible for some of them, and some of them she definitely isn't. Right.
1: Right. The no. No. I, I totally agree.
2: Annoying, and I. I'm sorry. Um,
1: I completely it's just, it's agree. It's
2: annoying to me that her detractors say, well, she should shut up and never say another word. No. Really, I don't think they'd be telling John McCain or Mitt Romney to do that. And nor should Mitt Romney or John McCain have to shut up about, you know, telling, from their point of view, why things didn't turn out at Well, as they I hoped.
0: completely agree with you on that. I mean, it's it's only going to yeah. make for stronger candidates going forward for her to to at least admit what she did wrong. And I think that's, that's, that, that's yeah. fine. You know, I mean, but you know if we really want to talk about the biggest thing that 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 cost Hillary Clinton the election was the fact that she bled voters and and Trump never did and for what i mean by that was that you That's had a exactly lot right. of you had a That's lot right. of people that if there was no green party there was no libertarian party they would have voted for Hillary if it was a, just a contest among a lot of people between Hillary and and Trump Um, a lot of people that voted for the green candidate and that voted for the libertarian candidate would have voted for her instead. And if she would have had those votes, she wins. And you know, what we saw in 92 with bill Clinton, you had a lot of people left George HW Bush and went to Ross Perot and it cost him the election. and and so, you know, I mean, to me, that's the simplest thing that, that is there. And, You know, sometimes the libertarian costs the Republican, and I think that happened in 2008 to McCain. I don't think it would have made a big deal, but when it happens on the Democratic side, you're doomed. And, you know, it's the same reason why they try to have that tightness to it, but that's why I think we need to encourage more parties. I think it's it's crucial, and whether we even have to change the way that we're—I mean, I'm all for a constitutional convention because I think we need things to be tweaked. And whether it's going back to the original Constitution, which said that you have the runner-up for president becomes vice president so that you have to have them there and they basically can control the, the, the docket in the Senate, which is no longer been there. And I know people say it's because of what happened in 1820. But who I still think today with multiple parties, that gives you the best outcome. And, and 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 but we can you know we can debate that till you know the cows come home but again um you know Hillary coming out and saying um what she's saying is only good for for the Democratic Party the Republican Party the country and all all voters
2: yeah you know, no I agree and you know again I I'm going to read the book and and uh see what else that uh, the woman who almost became president has to say yeah
0: and hopefully she'll still be alive when we have a, the you know the, the real first woman president, uh just not I, the almost
2: Well right. And I, I think in the long run Hillary Clinton's going to be vindicated by history. Donald Trump, not so much.
0: Yeah, not so much. Um, you know, and I and and, and the la- and the last thing I want to say on that, she 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 pretty much made it as clear as can be she's not running in twenty twenty. No, guess. nor should she. Uh,
2: that's that's done. And I, I'll just say this too: There's another person who should not be running, and that's Bernie Sanders. I think they're both; they both should retire from that.
0: I agree. Um, the last little bit we wanted to talk about, right, excuse me, right before we get to our our hour our, uh, limit on this podcast, is um, the hurricane and if there's any political ramifications. Have you seen any? Do you feel like there's anything coming out of it? Looks like least the Trump administration has made its way through so far there's a lot of time and a lot of recovery to go to and we know that everything is kind of stalled in Harvey because of they had to go jump and take care of uh, Irma um, so you know politically has there been a winner or a loser and you maybe see it playing out anywhere
2: uh, you know in this case I I really don't think there are I mean the people whose property was damaged and of course Uh, never mind the, I think there are about 11 deaths. Those are tragedies. Certainly the people who lost, you know, people who lost their lives and then those who now have to clean up after this mess, I mean, they're they're faced with, and of course they're the the loved ones of the victims. You know, this is going to take a lot of rebuilding and a lot of healing. Um, This certainly was not neither, I don't think in terms of a loss of life, which, again, that's Thankfully, it wasn't worse, although one person is too many, but sure. in terms of a loss of life, it certainly wasn't as bad as Katrina um i I think the bigger problem, especially in Houston after Harvey, is the environmental damage. Mm-hmm. We know all these chemical plants and and all refineries were flooded, and that kind of ends up having you know spewing just all kinds of toxic fluids into the water that's already filthy um so you know, I think you know again. I it's going to take time to see how this all really shakes out. Whether or not Houston Houston can recover and so can its industry, and hopefully without a lot of environmental damage or illness. I you know I think the situation for Florida is different. Of course, never mind. Let's not forget Puerto Rico. There were some other Caribbean islands were also hit very hard by this.
0: Yeah, flattened. And for the most you part. know,
2: not just and Puerto Rico is a US territory. And I believe the Virgin Islands were also affected. So these are also part of the United States. They've got to rebuild, they've got to recover and deal with the the emotional aftermath of this.
1: Yep.
2: I, I think anybody expecting the similar dynamic for the Trump administration with what happened to George W. Bush in five. That no, it just wasn't going to be the case. That's not to say there have been a lot of complaints that the EPA has not been doing its job. Right. But I think, again, there are a lot of factors as to why there's just so much going on with Trump already that's bad that this is just a minor thing. Remember, with Bush in '05, he just won re-election by a fairly good amount. Uh... Although, although, you know, he was already starting to have problems in his administration. You know, between the Social Security plan failing miserably, Karl Rove being exposed. And then, of course, Katrina would show that basically these guys were completely caught flat-footed and unprepared. And this hit Bush harder for everybody looks at Trump as incompetent to begin with, I think for Bush it came as somewhat as a shock— Right. and that that sort of was the beginning of the end of his administration in terms of support or yeah, he definitely a real cast legacy. Cast a ball on
0: his whole second term. But Trump term. is already
2: such damaged goods. This doesn't matter. Right. Uh, I don't think I don't think his administration looks particularly good. I don't think they look particularly bad because they frankly got so many other problems that I think the attitude of these states is we're going to have to fix this ourselves. We cannot depend on them.
0: Yeah, and there's still a long um, way to go. Like we talked about, though, there's. I mean, you know, they're they're talking about, you know, several hundred billion dollars of damage in Florida. Um, Still, you know, five million people without power. Um, And you have, you know, um, you know, Harvey cleanup in Houston and they haven't, you know, the EPA, the, you know, FEMA, all that stuff wasn't funded prior to this. Um, And hurricane season isn't over yet. Um, You know, we can't figure that this is this might not be the last one. Um, and what it no, did it was be. pretty significant. So, you know, whether it changes the dynamic, it seems like you can't understand that. You know, the federal government again is not your personal checkbook. It needs to have money. It needs to to borrow money. Um, and if you don't, if you know, it, with this whole constitutional convention, if you had a balanced budget amendment, um, what kind of hurricane recovery could you provide? Because um, you know, if they didn't raise the you know the debt limit here, what are you really going to do? Um, and, you know, people don't understand the ramifications to our economy. Um, what's going to happen to our economy if Florida basically can't do business? Um, and if uh, Southeast uh, Texas can't do business, too, is another is another thing to see. And, you know, we'll have to see whether it ends up having political ramifications. The last bit I want to talk about is whether it's going to have ramifications in, especially in Southeast Texas. I don't know if you heard about that there was something called the Phoenix Report, which has nothing to do with Phoenix. Um, but it was a, a report that was put together about what could happen if, um, if those basic scenario of what did happen with Harvey, um, you know, if it struck and it was basically like a playbook, um, from what I've heard and I skimmed it, um, didn't read the whole thing. Um, and you've had some experts come around saying, yeah, my stomach dropped because I knew we had done this and we decided that we weren't going to listen to it and we were going to do what we wanted anyway. And now we have to live with it. Um, well, so there might be right. some political ramifications, I think, to those people in Southeast Texas who know these people who still went against what their what the best advice was, and they did it anyway. There might be some ramifications there. Um, and then, you know, down the line, I think, then you have to look more about um, what these decisions are, because even EPA decisions on where you put plants um, and that you're taking these things as these worst-case scenarios— yeah, you, you can't just say, oh, they're not going to happen. You have to think that they there's a high likelihood they're going to at some point. And you're going to have to pay the price if you say no today. And that might be a new a new calling card, I think, as far as the political ramifications of, of disasters come. The more that we study them and know that they're going to happen, but then people just ignore it.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, shortly after the hurricane hit in Houston, New York Times had a, a very long feature on, how that city has had virtually no real planning and zoning regulation, uh-huh. and it's already in a floodplain—a very vulnerable one. Everything was built up with no real strategic plan for, you know, counteracting what, what would happen if a major flood came. And here we are. Uh, you know, Texas is known for not having many regulations, and I, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but. Sometimes it is. Yeah. and um, This is a case. I, you know, I guess we'll see if, if it becomes an issue in congressional races. Or, you know, Greg Abbott, the governor, who's a very partisan Republican, is up for re-election next year. Uh, I, you know, I don't think he's necessarily gotten a lot of praise or criticism, one, one way or the other, uh, for how he's handled this. I mean, I think I'd be shocked if he lost. Well, you know, Ted Cruz is up for re-election next year. Of course, he's a massive hypocrite. He voted against Sandy funding, but was certainly happy to, um, you know, take the government's money for his state, wasn't he?
1: He sure was. uh,
2: These two incidents have happened, you know, within a matter of weeks of each other. It's going to take months and years to clean up and see what the long-term damage really is.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to have to see what kind of uh, uh, fallout there ends up being, um, you know, politically. Um, we just hope everyone there who lost anyone, um, you know, finds some peace, um, property damage. You know, we, I mean, you know, uh, us here, I know, you know, that live in Arizona, we are pretty much exempt from natural disasters, um, unless you live up north and maybe have some forest fires. But other than that, we're pretty much exempt. And I know that we take it... Um, we don't take it for granted. Um, that's one of the reasons why we live here. I know in Southern California you have earthquakes and and, and some of those other things, but
2: nothing's like getting a
0: hurricane, right? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, or a tsunami. I mean, another thing I just want to mention real quick, and then we can't talk about it today, but just climate change yep. and the role that it's played in this. and that Again, our national leaders are seriously going to have to start looking at this. We'll see if they do
0: and you know uh, John McCain actually came out on the Sunday shows and 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 did admit it um you know again i i think it would be great for us to talk um um you know about some of these other topics that we have out there um you know especially it seems like McCain's refound his maverick um he's uh, since he's got his little brain cancer um he's not interested in towing any lines at all he's really um fighting which i think has been good um you know right. obviously have our disagreements with what he's done but uh you know what he did to basically you know he's 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 the face for the defeat of the healthcare bill um and you know now he's he's really being a a, one of the first real defectors here during the hurricane season to say you know maybe this does have something to do with climate change so anyway we talk about all all that at other times at our five points or political profundity Uh, Karen, I want to thank you for your time today, and I'm sure everyone else that's out there listening also appreciates the insights that you bring to our podcast every time again. thanks Well, thank
2: you, and thank you to all the listeners out there.
0: Uh, Karen and I will join you in the next couple weeks. I think next week we might be bringing you a debut podcast of... Um, either Hooray for Hollywood or Tinseltown Memories. I think that's the name you liked, Karen, of it. But um, we're still kind of working out the name um, on it. But it's going to be um, a Hollywood podcast that we're going to do uh, once a month um, with um, a friend of the magazines who lives out in Hollywood um, long time. Um, he's got a lot of contacts out there, long-time entertainment journalist. Uh, Tom Johnson's going to be doing his first podcast probably next week. Um, We'll see if we get it by Tuesday or Wednesday or not. Um, We're still kind of working out the time. It might end up being two weeks from now, but hoping it's going to be next week. Um, Other than that, uh, Karen and I will be back um, the week either next week or the week after, depending on what happens um, with Mr. Johnson and our new podcast. Um, Otherwise, thanks, y'all, for joining. Karen, again, thank you. Um, We'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.